a psalm uh, written by David uh, for the director of music. I was looking up here and it's nice to see we have psalms and hymns, uh, new songs at the time. We do that now. We know what God said and spoke to King David through his word and we give our own heart to the Lord as well with something new, which is what we're doing today. Beautiful structure in this psalm, six verses that declare God's general revelation about his created revealing of his glory and then about his special revelation, his scripture, his word, which he also reveals to us and then finally how we should respond to that. So Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. At night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where the voice, their voice, is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other, and nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. And by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Am I on air? No? Yes, I am. Excellent, excellent. Good. Well, can I also welcome any who are here, maybe for the first time, maybe you've come along for the first time. My name's Chris. I'm, uh, I'm what you'd call a filler. <laughs> I'm, I'm here until your new minister comes. And uh, Kathy, my wife and I, we're really enjoying our time here. And uh, we'll be around for a little bit longer, which, um, which is terrific. Now, I want to just ask a question of the children firstly. Has anyone ever played the game, Where's Wally? Johnny has. <laughs> What's the idea of playing Where's Wally? What do you have to do? You have to find Wally, that's right. <laughs> Thousands of faces and there's Wally just down in the corner or up the top or something like that. And it's the same with a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? You know, you put a jigsaw puzzle. So you know at work, they have a 2,000-piece uh, jigsaw puzzle in the um, common room 
so that anyone who can come for lunch can just go and put some pieces together in the jigsaw puzzle. And um, finding the right piece, that last little piece, is often a bit of a job. Searching is something which we enjoy, but what I want to ask you today is, what if you were searching, not for Wally or for a piece of the jigsaw, what if you were searching for God? What if in your heart you were wanting to find out about God? You wanted to know who he is, does he exist, what is he asking of you, um, and where do I fit in? That's the question we're going to be asking today using Psalm 19 and jumping out of it a little bit. And to do that, I'm going to, I will need some help from some of the young people. So I'm going to just move this back a little bit. And I'm going to ask for a volunteer. In the, when we go through, we're going to need four eventually, but is there one who would help me first up with the first uh, card? Out you come. Who's coming out? Good girl. Out you come. You're the bravest of the whole lot. Now, would you stand at the front there? Just hold that up. That's what we're doing today. We're finding God. Finding God. Now, we might think, but I've already found God. Yeah, but some, the person sitting next to you may not have done that. And we're all always getting closer to God. Um, the psalm is a beautiful psalm because it helps us answer this question. Now, can you... My wife Kathy and I, we're going off in October in our caravan to the Warren Bungles. And we're going to, my last time in the Warren Bungles, I looked up into the sky and, you know, I could have sworn that I could have just touched the stars like that. They were, seemed so close. You know, when you look out at night and all those stars are bright and, and are beaming there, um, it's just a magnificent experience. Now, there is a click around here somewhere. There it is. And hopefully, yes, they're working. <laughs> okay. um, when you look at the stars, the psalm says to us that they are talking to us all the time. When you look at the night sky, when you look at the day sky, when you look at the creation all around you, it is talking to us all the time, but it's not using words. It's testifying about God, the one who put it there, uh, in its own wonderful, majestic way. And if it was doing that, these are the sort of things it might say. Hey, everybody who's looking, consider how magnificent is the one who created us. He is not called Mother Nature. There is no Mother Nature. It is God who has done all of this. Give him the due that he, he, he's, he, he's owed. We are created by God's hand and not by any other way. We are here by design, not by chance. We reflect God's unique glory day and night. It never stops reflecting the glory of God. So give God the praise and glory due to him. Now that's pretty, that's pretty marvellous. A unique testimony to God. It just keeps bubbling to the surface all the time. It shouts out to us that God is a majestic and a wonderful God. And all the elements are clear and conclusive evidence of the fact that that's what he's like. They're saying that's what he's like. Somebody once said, 
when you look up into the skies, it's, it's almost like a theatre in which the glory of God is being acted out. It's not a bad comment. Paul, who wrote to Romans 1, he said, What may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, they've been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. It's a very strong comment, isn't it? Really, that's Psalm 19 uh, put into words. And the psalm says, when the, when the uh, day sky has finished testifying to God, then the night sky starts. So you get a 24-hour testimony to God. And that's been the case ever since the universe was first created. Nobody misses out. doesn't matter where you are in the world, you see it. At some point during the day, or all day in fact, you see it. So he uses the sun as an example. The sun lights up the sky in the morning. If you get up early enough and drive to work on the M2, particularly if it's a bit slow, you get to, you get to appreciate the sun coming up right in your eyes. Do you get that? Yeah, we get that right in your eyes. But it's, it's a beautiful thing. It actually warms you up. But there it is. We feel its heat as it moves across the sky. And then it sets and night comes. And the sun is just gigantic, isn't it? It's powerful. We are totally dependent on it being there, but it's always under God's guidance and control. In other words, God is looking after it and making sure it does what it's supposed to do, even the sun. But there's a sad thing. And the sad thing is that despite the beauty, the power, the magnificence of the creation around us, it's not sufficient to lead us to God. The problem isn't in the creation. That's, that's beautiful in itself. It's not in the testimony the creation gives to God. That is very clear and strong and powerful. The problem lies in people's own response to what they see. Because Paul says our thinking has been twisted around twisted by sin, and people don't receive the testimony that this beautiful creation gives, they don't receive it for what it really is. And so, you and I, we can't reason our way to God, because as Paul says in Romans 1, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. There's the problem. We see it, but we don't get it. And this I know, you as a Christian, if you're already a Christian, you, you do look up at the heavens, and, and it, does, it does all make wonderful sense, and it's consistent with everything else you've discovered about God, and we marvel at God's majesty and all of that, but the reality is that when, we, when we're still searching for God, this general revelation will not lead us into a saving relationship with God. And that's what we want. That's where we want to get to, but it doesn't help us initially to do that. It supports things, but doesn't lead us. We need something special. 
something that God will give us himself directly that is crystal clear and tell us what he's like, where we stand with him, what he expects of us, all those sorts of important questions. And that's where the rest of the psalm, the second part of the psalm, takes us. So, uh, can we have another volunteer, please? In fact, can we have two? Excellent. Look at that. I read my mind. Now, the first one, can you go next at the front there? And you go after that one, right? Just go around the other side there. Just don't go too close to the edge, please. <laughs> I hope everyone can see that. Come, just go a little bit. See where the line is. Just go to there. Can you come in front here? Because there's got a bit of room for one more. Just come this way. That's it? Excellent. Now, if you have a look at verses 1 to 6, if you've got your Bibles open there, we've been talking about the natural revelation, but what about the special revelation from God? What, what does the Bible say about God? That's in verses 7 to 14. Now, God has made sure there's a living record that each of us can go to and read. It tells us how he interacts through, with us throughout history. He um, tells us the directions he's given us about how we can find him, how we can know him. It tells us all about the promises that he makes to those that trust him. It's all written down there for our learning and for our benefit to lead us to him. And you know what the awesome thing that the Bible teaches us is this. We might be trying to find him, but the reality is he finds us. He reaches out to us. He takes the initiative to show himself to us. Because you know what? If he didn't do that, we would never know him. We would never find him. We can't find our own way into him on our own, so he finds us. Isn't that a wonderful truth? That God cares so much about us that he would do that for us. And he does. Now Psalm 19, that's talking about the Old Testament record, of course. All the, the, the older times. Uh, of God's dealings with people, all written down. But he's made his revelation even clearer since then by sending us his own son. But we'll look at that in just a second. Um, the word of God is very special because it's come from God's mouth. So it's his word that he breathed out to us and it's been written down. And here are, I'm hoping very much so... Oh, I'm not sure what I've done there. I probably wrecked it. Never mind. I'll go back. Ah, never mind. I'll tell you all about it. Thank you. <laughs> um, by reputation, the Bible is a true and reliable pointer to God. That's its claim. A true and reliable pointer to God. So, its instructions, and we will catch up. <laughs> Its instructions are perfect. Its testimony is trustworthy. Its commands are right. Its commands are clear. Its reverence for God is pure. Its laws are reliable. Thank you. Very desirable and very sweet. There we are. I can't actually work it. 
So it's saying, read me and be confident about me. But it also has its effect on us because God's word never touches us without leaving its effect. So when God touches us, he renews our life. He makes the inexperienced wise. He makes the heart glad. He makes the eyes light up. I love that, I love that picture, lighting up the eyes uh, with excitement and, uh, and anticipation. It endures forever. It warns us of danger. It rewards our obedience. It does all of those things, all those practical things. It's a wonderful revelation and we are encouraged to go to it and read it. That's why we use the Bible in our service all the time. So we've seen what the creation says about finding God and then we've seen how much more effective God's own word to us is in, in helping us to find him. But because the Old Testament part of the Bible is so completely and fulfilled in the Lord Jesus, we need to go even further than Psalm 19. To go out of Psalm 19 where we're always meant to go from the Old Testament. Um, even though it's a wonderful testimony to God, God has revealed himself purposefully in his word, but he has a clearer and more ultimate revelation of himself in his son. And that's where he speaks to us in the most profound way. Jesus is as good as it gets. I need one more volunteer, please. Who's, who's, who'd like to come out? Here we go. Ready to go. Happy birthday. There you go, you're right. Hope you can see that. Hope your arms are not getting too tired. We're nearly finished. Now, the, the New Testament writers delight to say that Jesus is the very centre of all the, the promises and the history of God. So if we saw earlier on in Hebrews, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. That's the writer to the Hebrews. Or Paul says he's the image of the invisible God. No one has ever seen God, says John, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And uh, Jesus himself said, when one of his disciples asked him, just show us the Father, Jesus, that will be enough for us, Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Wonderful testimony about the figure of the person of Jesus. So the New Testament reveals that Jesus is both Lord over all of creation. Um, he's the one who put the heavens in place. He's the one who, who is God's yes to every promise God's ever made. He's the Lord over the church. He's the one who won our salvation and built us a really solid friendship with God. And as both the universe and the Bible both declare the glory of God, so Jesus' cross and resurrection declare his glory in the most profound way. So Jesus is the clearest testimony to God we can ever have and will ever have. What a wonderful gift to us. So I'm just going to suggest that instead of the order in which we've given them, this one will stay right there, okay, but we're going to swap these three around. 
Which one ought to come first? What is the clearest and most profound testimony defining God? All right, Jesus, would you like to come? Would you like to come up here to be the first one? What's the second most effective testimony to knowing God? The Bible. So would you like to go in there? And buddy, you move across here. That's it. Oh, well, he should stay there then. In that case, you come across. <laughs> Need eyes in the back of my head. That's the right way. So can I say to you, when you get the opportunity to talk to your friend who's really interested in finding God, talk to them about Jesus first. Encourage them to open the word of God that testifies to Jesus. And tell them that understand what God has done through Jesus uh, as laid out in his, his word, that they will understand the creation in a whole new way, in a most profound and wonderful way. They don't want facts and figures, do they? They want to know God. They want to know him personally. So we send them to Jesus or lead them to Jesus to talk about them there. And the writer of the psalm finishes by saying, if our God is so wonderful, if our God cares for us so much and wants us to find him and has done all these things to make that so, then what's the proper response? Let me read and remind, it, remind you of it. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over them. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression, May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I'm going to finish with a prayer, or part of a prayer. And maybe as you lead and as you talk over morning tea, you might like to talk about how God makes himself known to us and maybe how he did that for you. So will we all just close our eyes, bow our heads, and we'll pray. Dear loving Father, where do I find you? I find you first in the personal self-giving figure of your Son. And then I find you in the life-giving word which explains the significance of your Son. And lastly, I find you in the ongoing testimony of the creation around me as it testifies to your Son. How do I find you? I find you have been waiting for me to turn and to trust Jesus. Thank you for revealing yourself so clearly. Help me to honour you as you deserve. In Jesus' name, Amen.